Welcome swimmers and swimmers. I'm today's host, Garrett McCaffrey. And joining us today is the 2020-2021 Oregon Swimming Senior Coach of the Year. Her team, Lake Oswego Swim Club, has won all the Oregon State meets at most all of the levels in recent years. And they were just named one of the top 100 clubs in the country, earning that silver medal status through the USA Swimming Club Recognition Program. She's Emily Molina, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Garrett. So I, I asked you about a year and a half ago, I think it was summer of 2021, when I was just starting these podcasts up again, I asked you to come on and you were a little hesitant. Um, this time when I reached out to you last week, you were all on board. There wasn't any hesitancy. W what has changed in that year and a half that made it a uh, more appealing opportunity this time? Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's more appealing. Um, it's definitely more, I have more time. I have a little bit more free time. I think last year we were still kind of, um, at least in Oregon, in the in the depths of COVID still with, with a, still a handful of restrictions making it a little bit tougher. Um, you know, I was hesitant probably while a lot of coaches are hesitant because, you know, swim swam and <laughs> it's a little daunting. Um, but I figured... Just like I tell the kids to be persistent. You were persistent and here I am. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm a little surprised to say you have time right now, because if we look at all the different roles that you are part of um, through USA Swimming and Oregon Swimming, on top of all the coaching duties, which we'll get to, um, I kind of want to run down the list. Um, you are the Diversity and Equity Inclusion National Committee for USA Swimming, as well as the DEI National Council for USA Swimming. You're on the Club Development Board at USA Swimming. And then at the local level, you are the Oregon Swimming. Are you the vice chair and the general chair right now? I'm just the general chair. General chair and then also uh, the DEI chair for Oregon Swimming as well. Is that correct? I've actually stepped down from that role and I'm currently not on the DEI committee. I'm just on the council for USA Swimming. Got it. Got it. So okay. Less, less things. And then also on the ASCA board of directors, the American Swim Coaches Association board of directors. And that's a lot. <laughs> and if you take coaching out of it, because I'm going to ask you how, you know, it kind of plays into your coaching too, but just all of those different committees and obligations to be on meetings, I'm sure, and vote and go to, you know, different conferences. H how do you balance and prioritize all those different roles? Oh, sometimes poorly. Um, but I think it's uh, just a matter of kind of scheduling myself out really well. Um, I think that that's what I learned as a as a swimmer is time management. Um, you know, and I do believe our sport is is pretty volunteer driven and i think um i had before i got involved kind of in that capacity i had a lot of opinions and i personally believe that you should not complain about things if you're not willing to step up and at least try to make them try to make them better um and so that's kind of was the impetus of 
of getting on some of these these boards it went a little crazy i think um but i think they all kind of touch on different things that i'm i'm passionate about and um they seem to kind of fit together um and so i think i think i've managed sometimes less well when they uh you know have three zoom meetings in a row but um I think all coaches should be invested in in our sport beyond just being on deck. It's awesome. And I think it's a good message for everybody to include, you know, like some swimming development, some con- contribution to the sport that has, you know, given all of us a lot. I know I can say that, um, you know, swimming has done so much for me and stuff and giving back uh, is, I think, an important piece of it. Uh I want to understand a little bit more about um, the roles with USA Swimming. Let's start. And, you know, you said that you wanted to, you you had a lot of opinions um, with the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Do you feel like there has been progress since you started with the committee and the council? I think there has been progress. It's definitely been slow moving, but I think that that's, one thing I've learned is that especially in the world of DEI, there's, it's, it's small gains. Um, and so, you know, I served on the the committee for <clears throat> several years and then I switched to the council. The council is a little bit more like a 10,000 foot view on, um, on DEI within USA swimming, whereas the committee is a little bit more day to day doing kind of more tangible things. Um, it's been an interesting experience on both both sides. Um, and I think the the council was kind of, it kind of came out of um, a little bit of the Black Lives Matter movement um, and a little bit of, of wanting to press USA Swimming to be a little bit more of a leader. Um, and so I think for, for me, being a, a female coach of color, there's not a lot of us. And, you know, so I'm directly invested in in USA Swimming being more diverse. Can you get a little bit more specific of what that progress looks like from that 10,000 foot view when you're looking big picture? Um, what what things are changing? What and, and hopefully in a positive way, I mean, what kind of things have you seen change um, in, in the work that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the DEI staff grow um, at USA Swimming. And I've seen efforts to kind of embed DEI in in a lot of programs. So it's less about just doing this DEI piece over here and then just letting it be. Um, for example, I went to, I served as the head coach for the Central Zone Select Camp. And it's the first time that I've seen, I'm sure that's been done other times, but the other select camps I've been at, they haven't done a DEI portion. Um, they sent out the DEI uh, coordinator and he ran several uh, uh, programs within the the camp for all the athletes and it wasn't a DEI camp so I think I think putting putting programming in throughout uh, the the greater programs is is one of the biggest things that they they've done. Are there specific goals? for DEI nationally that uh, the, the council kind of looks at and and the committee probably works to towards on a daily basis? I think the committee is more goal-driven about achieving certain things. Um, 
the council is more in an advisory role. So um, example, when there was um, a lot of Asian American uh, violence happening, they pulled a group of us to um, discuss having a response with uh, USA comms department. Um, so it's, it's a little less goal driven on the council and I'm not on the committee, so I can't speak to what their goals are. On the council advisory, is is that something that you get to work with coaches specifically, or it's just kind of advising general direction for USA Swimming? Because you know, I would I would be interested to hear if that's something that you get to work at, you know, with the the clubs and the coaches themselves. Yeah, so the council is it has some coaches on it. It also has people not um, currently. Um, I would I would say that they're connected to the sport, but they're not coaches. They're not officials, but they have a, a connection to swimming as in they were they had been swimmers at a point, but are now in other professions. Um, and we don't generally work directly with coaches. When I was on the committee, um, we did work with coaches. We did trainings at when they were still holding USA Swimming Convention. We would do a training or two there. There would be a DEI track. Um so I think that there are the committee does provide resources directly to coaches. And I think that is more of the the educational piece um, for the membership. So if you got a call and this will be, I think, the the last DEI question, unless you have more that you'd like to talk about and you think it's important that we address. I'm going to um, put a scenario out there that I think is a little bit of a, a cop out in some ways, but it's a common, I think, uh, defense in our sport, unfortunately, if you're a head coach trying to hire and only white dudes are applying for the job, what would you advise people to do in that scenario? I mean, that's tough. I have several white dudes working for me. Um, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we're all, we're in a time where finding assistant coaches and coaching staff is hard. Um, and I think that, you know, you, your your effort should be to provide the best staff for your team. Um, I think casting a wide net um, and using your networks is important. I do see a lot of people who just hire people they already know. Um, and I think that that is, that is part of the problem, you know, um, not not really looking and wanting to put in an effort to look and kind of planning ahead and taking the time. Um, you know, if you need to hire within two weeks, yeah, it's much easier to call someone, you know. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's part of that slow, slow progress um, is that we need to, we need to foster um, more, more diversity in coaches. And I think that that starts most coaches were swimmers and I think it starts with encouraging athletes to look at being coaches and, and identifying the, the athletes that we think would be good coaches and um, trying to get them to be interested in it uh, and, and kind of changing the, the hiring pool that way. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, I think hopefully with, you know, I, I don't want to jump ahead because I was planning on talking about sneakers later, but, you know, hopefully there is some connection with the kids these days. I think uh, my coaches growing up were, you know, just they were so far from connected to where I was at as a teenager, to be honest, that I didn't I didn't really look at coaching as like an appealing 
like position, but I do, obviously I fell into it and I love it and I'm passionate about it just like you are. And I feel like there is a little bit of a connection now um, between the coaches and maybe hopefully seeing, um, you know, a, an appealing position for the kids. Have you seen that kind of change, at, you know, as far as making our jobs a little bit more appealing to young athletes who are looking and trying to decide what they want to do with their life? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's um, there are more young coaches on deck, certainly, and I think that that kind of helps bridge the gap with uh, you know the younger generation. Um, so sure, I think that it it becomes more appealing, and I, I think that it's it's good to see coaches having fun. And I think the last couple of years have been tough, but I I feel like I've been on deck where the you know the more recent meets where people have been really excited to be back and um and really pretty pumped to be at their jobs and i think that that helps certainly make it a little bit more appealing and also kind of the efforts to make it a more professional career where you can make a living and not struggle or have six other jobs i think that that makes it a little bit more appealing as well for sure and i think the the big underlying thing is that the kids need to be able to see themselves in that role and seeing somebody who looks like them is a big piece of that and a big piece of the DEI um, progress, hopefully. Is there anything else that, you know, a white dude like me wouldn't be thinking to ask that we probably should and we should all understand a little bit better as far as progress and goals of development or of the uh, diversity, equity and inclusion programs? I mean, I think just um, taking advantage of educational opportunities and trainings. I mean, there are a lot. They don't all have to be within swimming, but I think um, most staffs would benefit from doing a DEI training, even if it was through a different organization. And I know most, at least major cities, have organizations that will come in and do trainings. Um, I think that goes a long way. Awesome. Like I said, the DEI roles are only part of the roles that you're playing within USA Swimming. You're also part of the club development board, and maybe that plays into a lot of what we kind of just talked about. Um, but can you just give me a little bit of uh, background on what the purpose and uh, goals of that board are? So it's actually one of the other USA Swimming committees, um, not not so much a board. Um, I mean, it is kind of what it sounds like uh, supporting club development within USA swimming. Um, and it, it looks, it, it looks like a lot of things and a lot of pieces would say we spent a lot of last year working on um, the club recognition program. So not so much the club excellence program, which would be the gold, silver, bronze medal um, programs, which are run on performance metrics, but the CRP is run on kind of operations so that's the one where you can be level one, two, um, and so forth uh, with sort of submitting, you know, best practices for your swim team. Um, and with Swims 3.0, which we won't get into, um, it, uh, it it comes with that. The, the new CRP program will be rolled out similarly. 
Okay. Thank you for the reminder that I might have messed up the introduction with the club recognition and club excellence in my uh, introduction of you, but you guys were silver medal club excellence. Just making sure I corrected that. Is there anything that you've learned about club trends that has surprised you in that role? I mean, I think the one of the biggest things, and this kind of came out of the pandemic, was um, you know there were a lot of teams that were really successful in the pool. Um, and not maybe as successful operations wise and um, you know, something like a pandemic, which fortunately doesn't come around very often um, really kind of showed a lot of those weaknesses um, in some of these, these clubs that you would never think would have any weaknesses. Um, and then there were some small clubs that, you know, aren't, aren't performing at a, at a level where they're getting, a lot of national recognition, but, you know, they were, they were running their business really tightly. And so I think for me, it was a good reminder personally that, you know, even though we're striving to be great in the pool, we can only do that if we are, are running our, our business side correctly. Absolutely. And I think uh, your club is a good example of that thriving um, as kind of a smaller level club in some ways, as far as like not a massive super club. Um, you run out of mainly six to eight yard or six to eight lane, 25 yard pools. Um, and um, yet you still have come out with, you know, amazing results in the last couple of years. Um, what are you guys doing right at Lake Oswego Swim Club right now? I mean, I think we make the most of our resources, which we don't have. Um, a ton of as far as, as pool time or facilities. Um, you know, our schedule is always a little bit crazy. And I think that that whenever anyone wants to join, I make it really clear that that's, you know, if you're joining our team, you're, you're going to accept that our schedule is going to be a little bit crazy because we're trying to maximize the use of the pool. Um, you know, the other piece that I think we did well is we took over the management um, of one of the facilities during the pandemic um, and I think for us, that has been key because we were also told that that pool wouldn't open if we didn't do that. Um, so I think, you know, being involved in your facility and being invested in your facility, um, it's, it's not fun and it's definitely not the glamorous side, but it's, I think, pretty crucial for us. It's a good example. Cause I mean, that's a, just another hat that you wear managing a pool as well. Um, but that's a good example of how, you know, all these different roles that you're taking on can help your coaching. What other examples um, can back that up? Like all of these uh, committees and boards and, and roles within Oregon Swimming that we didn't even touch on. How is that helping your coaching and your ability to, you know, get results, but also obviously help uh, young athletes, which is the underlying goal, I hope for everybody, but um, I know it is for you. How do these roles help you in that role? I mean, I think, you know, the the community and the networking piece is, is certainly um, a strong piece of that. Um, but I also think, you know, for me, I would never choose to manage a pool. It's definitely the lowest part of my, of my job. Um but it's also key to keeping the kids in the water. And I think that, you know, for me, it's always been about trying to give the kids the opportunity. And, 
you know, even if it doesn't feel like club development is keeping my kids in the water or giving my kids opportunity directly, um, you know, I think that our our sport is is driven by by people wanting to wanting to do it for the kids. And, you know, so me being involved in that will help the sport go forward, which will ultimately help, help our kids, you know, hopefully all the kids, but. Absolutely. It's a great answer and great perspective, especially for coaches like myself, who are sometimes intimidated by taking on more, who get overwhelmed by just the stuff that's on our plate and, you know, being part of maybe one of those um, you know, committees and stuff locally. Um, but I think that's a really good perspective to kind of understand the bigger picture of how this is benefiting your kids, even if it feels like sometimes it's taking time and energy away. Um, I think, yeah, understanding how it's going to benefit everybody to have a say in the big picture, as opposed to just going along with it. Um, I, I kind of want to keep diving down into all the success that the club has been having. I mean, you've been there for 11 years, which is a great run at any position. Um, I'm wondering when you got there in 2011, what had to change um, pretty quickly uh, or what would you realize had to change over the first year or so? That's a tough one. Um, Well, we had about 80 swimmers, so we had to have more. (laughs) I think that was, that was days where we were not pressed for pool time. Um, So I think, you know, growing the club um, at the time, both with, with numbers and even financially, we were not in a particularly strong spot. Um, I I think that that had to change. Um, The culture certainly had to change. Um, I, I think that, I can't say exactly what needed to change. Um, but I think we needed a little bit more of a, a family feeling within the team and, and a more collective, you know, we're moving together versus, you know, we're just going to have a few great athletes. Um, and I think for us, that was a big thing, which was slower. It was slower going. Um, but I think trying to do it together, um, was, was a big deal for us. And I think we, even though we've grown now, um, that, that attitude has, has kind of carried through with us and we're very much still a team oriented team. We don't, uh, we don't swim at like seven pools. We swim pretty much at two pools and all the kids swim at all the pools. Um, you know, I think prioritizing everyone and trying to make sure that every athlete, no matter what level is getting what they need, which is of course not all the same, but, um, you know, has, has been one of our kind of main tenants. Yeah. Trying to reach every kid and and make them feel included. Um, that's great value. And it seems like that's something that you're saying, you know, you knew from the start you needed to develop what things have changed with you as a coach. How, how do you look back on these, you know, decade plus and say, Oh, wow. Like I've come really far on this part or, you know, this opinion, um, how have you changed in these 11 years? Oh, probably a lot. Um, I mean, I think I've, I've certainly become more confident. Um, and I think that that actually comes ironically with, you know, kind of just acknowledging all the things that I don't know. Um, and I've never been afraid to ask people. I, I have zero fear of looking stupid. Um, I, I 
will ask people a million questions. I don't, uh, you know, if they don't want to share, that's, that's great. But um, I think I've not ever been shy about trying to find mentors. Um, and I, I know that that can be daunting, but for me, that's been, you know, one of the bigger, bigger things in, in my, my career. Um, and so, you know, that, I don't think my training has, I'm sure it's changed um, over the years, but I don't think it's been, been like a huge shift. Um, certainly I feel like I have had to become more organized um, as I've taken on more roles and um, I'm definitely not an extroverted person and, you know, going on a podcast, not probably my, my first choice for a Wednesday morning, but um, I, I think my, my understanding of my role and what I can do and what I should be doing. Um, I think I've just become a little bit more aware of that. Yeah, I, I can attest to the fact that I definitely feel your confidence and I would not have guessed that it's not something that you wanted to do on a Wednesday morning because uh, that is definitely not um, something that's coming across whatsoever. And I appreciate you being here. Can you give me an example of how you stepped out of that introverted mentality and asked somebody who maybe you didn't know um, to be a mentor, or even if you want to, you know, leave that to the personal side, maybe even just a question, um, that you wanted to ask, or you can think of that you asked recently, um, that of somebody that you might not have known. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I can't think of a, a specific right now. I, I, I think that when you go to a, a, co a conference or a clinic, um, you're faced with a lot of opportunities to ask a lot of questions. And it's just, you know, I would be 100% fine showing up at ASCA and talking to like three people that I already knew and, you know, going on with my life. And I wouldn't feel, I would feel comfortable with that. Um, my role as a board member kind of prevents that. But I've also learned that uh, it's much more beneficial if I just kind of put myself out there, you know, and I think, I think it is important to put yourself in, you know, situations where you're slightly uncomfortable because that's kind of where you grow. Um, you know, it's one thing to tell the kids that you need to do that, but I try to do that uh, for myself. Um, you know, there are sev several coaches in USA Swimming who are always uh, so willing to share. Um, I was on a, a Zoom call with with other uh, club excellence teams, and I, I got the fortune to get into a, a small group with, with Kate Lunston and, you know, like she's always willing to share. And if you have a chance, you should just ask her a million questions. It's a great example. And I think also um, it's almost servant leadership to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Cause when we stretch our comfort level, that is where, you know, you start to make steps and strides. And that's something that we tell the, the kids all the time in the pool. So to see coach, and maybe even hear it on this podcast that coach is also doing that um, in different ways and growing in that same kind of approach. I think that's positive. And I think it kind of helps with the relationship with the kids when you're asking them to push themselves. How, how would you say your swimmers describe your coaching? How would they describe you as a, as a coach? And I know that that's tough because it's, you know, not something that you know specifically, but it just helps us get a, an understanding of, of Emily on deck and, and kind of what your relationship's like with them. Yeah, I um, I think that I would hope that they would describe me as as really invested in them. Um, you know, I I think I I care a lot. Um, I'm kind of all business, 
uh, on deck. I'm definitely more uh, vocal on deck to kind of save, save all of that for my coaching time and then a little bit more reserved in person. Um, I, <laughs> I had an interaction with a swimmer where we had a goal meeting and about five minutes into the goal meeting, I, I just asked him if he was intimidated by me because <laughs> he wasn't very, he was just really quiet. Um, and he said, yes. And I always think that's funny. I think I look, I look really serious a lot of the time. Um, but I think I'm also very funny. So <laughs> I think, uh, I, I think that I, I try to balance kind of my intensity with some humor. Um, and maybe I need to work on more of the humor side, but, um, it's probably, probably accurate. I appreciate your honesty so much in this. I think a lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, some of the uncomfortable parts of our role and, and, uh, <laughs> even that kind of answer, it's just so authentic and, and good insight to help understand, um, things that I think people will, will really appreciate. So let's continue on that path. How did, and I want to go through three, but if I'm missing any of your coaches that really had an impact on your coaching, then we can go back and circle towards them too. But let's start with, uh, Jay Benner, who was your club coach, um, growing up right on the border of Idaho and Washington. He was a coach at Washington state and, and a club coach, uh, at that same facility when you were growing up. And he went on to, you know, coach Olympians like Nathan Adrian and, uh, Dana Kirk. And I, I remember swimming against some of those guys when I was coming up too. Um, so it had a ton of success as well, but what, what did Jay do that really kind of impacted your relationship with swimming? Yeah. I mean, I had swum for a different team and then I, I moved and started swimming with Jay and immediately I decided that it was too hard. Um, and I was not really committed for probably a couple months. Um, I skipped a lot of practices. It was an enormous increase in workload than what I had been used to. Um, and then, you know, he, I had a kind of a rough, rough Husky invite in December and he sat me down, was pretty honest and said, you know, either you can commit or, and see what happens or not. So I thought about it and I didn't miss a practice for the rest, pretty much the rest of my life after of my swimming career, after that moment, um, I just went all in. Um, and I think, you know, what I, what I learned from Jay was that one, he was hundred percent committed to us. I mean, he never missed a practice. He used to sleep at the pool if it was going to be poor weather. And he, cause he used to live kind of out in the boonies. And so if he knew he couldn't drive, he would sleep at the pool. So we would have practice no matter, we had practice no matter what. Um, and two, um, he was always tougher than us. So you could never complain about the practice. He was doing open water training at the time. Um, and, you know, he would just get in between prelims and finals and swim a continuous 10K much faster than we could swim um, and then get out and coach us. So you could never complain that the workout was hard because you knew that one, he could do it better than you were doing it. And two, he probably did something harder. Wow. Those are awesome stories. I didn't, and that would definitely be intimidating because I give the kids sets and I like to swim in between sometimes even at, at sessions and stuff, but 
definitely not 10 K straight or even to the level that the kids are swimming um, that I coach. So that's impressive. That is servant leadership on another level right there. Um, let's move on to your college coach at UCLA, Cindy Gallagher. Um, what, what kind of things did she do to shape your relationship with swimming? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Cindy just supported me so much as a person. Um, I had a, a fairly injury plagued freshman year. Um, and I never, I never felt like I was just there to swim. Um, and I think for me, that was, was a huge deal. I, I felt like she was really invested in me developing as a, as a human, um, beyond my swimming. She was, and still is one of the most supportive people of me, uh, coaching. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think just her kind of role modeling, being a head female coach, uh, I don't think I appreciated it as much or uh, gave her as much credit as I, I probably should have um, at the time when I was swimming because I didn't think I was going to be a coach. So I was just like, I have a, a female coach and that's great. And I, I knew the numbers were low, but I didn't really I didn't really think too much about it. Um, but then as I got into coaching, you know, I, I realized she was a, a single mother with a kid and she was you know, also a, a top 10 NC2A coach putting people on the Olympic teams. And I think that that's crazy now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious how much of your career path was really impacted by having a female coach, you know, back in uh, the early 2000s, late 90s, where that was even more rare than it is today. I mean, that, it, that you kind of just hit on it. Um, but do you, do you really think that that was a, probably one of the big factors? Cause you could see at least part of yourself on deck when Cindy was coaching you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we talk about, you know, why we need diversity in coaching staffs. I mean, it's not because I had a conscious thought like, Oh, I have a female coach. I could do that. I think it's just what it is. And I think that's so much more powerful. Um, it, it was always, in my mind, always an option because I saw it every day. Um, and I think, I think that that certainly affected me probably more, um, than I even realize now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did any other coaches have a big impact on, on your swimming and, or on your coaching even like maybe, uh, if you want to get into the beginning of your career, even other coaches that really had a huge impact on your swimming career or your coaching career, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think that all the coaches that I've been able to work with, um, have impacted me in some way. Um, you know, I, my senior year, I got to swim for Greg, um, who's now at Stanford. Um, you know, and he was, he was just so passionate about it. And I think, um, he was so young, then. <laughs> um, but he was just, you know, all in. And I, I, I think that that, that kind of excitement and energy is important. And I try to, to remember that on those days when I'm like a little bit dragging, um, I, I think that I, I've tried to take from every every coach. I think stealing ideas is honestly what we should all be doing a lot more of. Absolutely. And I think that even 
coaches who you might not agree with everything. There's usually something that you can, you can learn from, from them. Um, you said that you did not plan on being a coach when you were at UCLA. When did that change? When did you decide that you wanted to check out this coaching thing? I haven't, I still haven't decided Garrett. <laughs> well, what are you um, going to be when you grow up then, Emily? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's just one of those things that kind of picks you, right? Like, I think um, I always try to tell the kids, uh, you don't really pick your events. Your events kind of pick you. Um, I, I think the coaching is a little bit like that. Um, I've tried to get away from coaching multiple times, and I just always find myself right back here. Um, you know, and I think that there wasn't one pivotal moment where I decided I'm going to be a swim coach. I mean, there's certainly been moments where I've been employed as a swim coach, but no matter how far I try to get away from swimming or I have in my past, it, I just always kind of find myself back in the sport. And I think it's, you know, I, I, I love the sport. I love what it does for the athletes. Um, and so I think, you know, it's just sort of what I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's pretty accurate. It's something that, like I said earlier, like it was never something I dreamed about looking at my coaches saying, I want to be like them and I want to do that um, necessarily. And it was almost, yeah, it was almost like something I was like, oh, I could do that because it's an expertise that I've put a lot of time into, but now I want to do something else. And then I don't know, I just, I feel like something grabs you when you start coaching and you, you kind of get the, the understanding of how you can impact somebody when you do have an expertise and just even work. It's just an avenue to work with people and, and help people. Um, so I, I can completely relate to it. Um, and I think that, you know, all those people are very lucky to have you, um, even if it's not something that you consciously chose and it's because, of, you know, all the different levels that you're able to um, take care of for them as the person, but also as a swimmer. And I'm curious as a coach, I know that the part of this answer is going to be all the things that you're involved in, you're learning from, but wh where do you go to learn to make sure that what you're doing training wise and even leadership wise is um, the best thing? Because, you know, I, I'm sure I'm assuming that you're you like to think of yourself as, as growth minded and anytime that you feel like, you know, it all, that's probably when you need to really step back and, and learn some more things. So it's a very long way of asking, where do you go to learn? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I try to take advantage of, of opportunities like clinics and, you know, kind of the traditional path of learning. Um, but also, you know, I think having, um, having communities and you can call them mentors. Um, but I, I think more, you know, like you are sharing and they are sharing, um, either workouts or training ideas. Um, you know, I have a group of coaches that we, we share workouts that we're doing and, and ask for feedback. And, um, you know, if you're, if you are truly, you know, in a growth mindset, then you'll take, take feedback and you want, you want feedback. I, I don't really want someone to just say that looks great. Um, you know, we use, we use commit swimming and it allows you to share with other, with other coaches. Um, so I can see some other coaches workouts and they can see mine. And I think that's, that's actually a really easy way um, 
to share ideas and get feedback. Um, and so I think it's just, it, it takes effort and it's just sort of a matter of, of kind of pushing yourself to take those opportunities. Cause it's a mainly coaches podcast. Let's be honest. Uh, is there any recent set that you've come across or one that you shared even that you could share with us? Cause we all love it. I mean, I, I, if it's something that I'm putting you on the spot here, I didn't ask you to prepare one, but if you remember one, um, is, could you share it? Well, I, this isn't my set. Um, but Andrew from Rose Bowl shared a set, you know, he's got some really fast boys that are just cranking out some crazy times down there. Um, you know, and he shared a set I wanted, I'm probably gonna, if I had come prepared, I would have known, but you know, it was some, some set of, of hundreds on a short interval and then a 300 fast. Um, and we ended up doing it on a much slower interval because I don't have five kids who can go 134 in the 200 free. Um, but, you know, I think, I think the response to the text was like, several of us were like, well, we don't have kids that can go that fast, um, you know, on that interval. Uh, but I think, um, you know, finding people that you can share ideas with. And even if, even if the ideas that they're going to share aren't necessarily applicable to your athletes, you know, you can either scale it down or ask them like, Hey, my, my 500 freestyle is a 520, you know, how can I, how can I make this work for me? Um, you know, I think that that's, that's the move. Yep. I can completely relate when I hear a lot of the sets that I talk to coaches about, even on this podcast, you know, I have to kind of adapt because I also do not have five guys or even one guy that can go 134 in the 200 freestyle. But um, Andrew is somebody who I have a lot of respect for and am hoping and I think planning on getting him on the podcast here soon. And you have another connection with him too, uh, coaches kicks. And I feel like that's part of, you know, I've, I've been uh, following you on social media for a few years and um, I, that's a big part of, of what you share. And I love it because I'm also somebody who does, doesn't have all the knowledge of the latest and greatest uh, shoes, but can definitely appreciate um, some nice shoes. I always try to keep something fresh on my feet. Uh, you know, so what do you think that whole kind of trend uh, does for your coaching? Because I know I've talked to Abby about it on this podcast. Abby Lou, who's at Bellevue Club, is kind of the the leader in that. And we all are kind of trying to just even kind of keep up, but we're not keeping up with Abby. Um, but how do you feel like that kind of helps your coaching or even your relationship with swimmers or coaches? Um, how do your kicks help your coaching? I mean, I think that uh, it's a prime example of stealing from other coaches, right? Like I watched that podcast of Abby and I was like into shoes, um, but not into shoes. Um, and then actually I roomed with Abby at trials um, and she took me to all these, you know, underground fancy shoe places and I was kind of hooked. And then, you know, I saw, I kind of saw how she interacted with, even swimmers that weren't hers that just noticed her shoes. There's like a subculture of people who are into sneakers. Um, and it's true. There's, you know, I have a lot of kids on my team who are into sneakers and it does give you something, you know, to talk about that you, that's aside from swimming. So I think that's great. 
Um, and it kind of connects you with, you know, a, a kind of a different generation, you know, in something you can share. So I, I think it's just kind of fun. Um, I, I do not come close to Abby at all. <laughs> none of us, none of us do. And that's a, okay. I don't think she's expecting that. And she's, I mean, yeah, we've all seen the podcast in that shoe collection. So, um, what else do you do for, for you? I mean, you're giving all this to, you know, the sport and to your swimmers. Um, what is some time that you take as far as self-care or Emily time? What does that look like? Um, well, I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but I still swim. Um, I think it's one, I actually think it helps me coach. Not that I can do anything remotely close to what the kids do, but I do try out drills. Sometimes I see a drill on swim swam and I'm like, I don't know how that's going to work. Let me give it a go first. Um, but I also, you know, I think it keeps me honest and certainly I have let my own physical fitness go before. And I think I'm just a much better coach and much better person if I'm taking care of myself physically as well. So easy to ignore it, but, um, I've tried to really, really prioritize that in the last year. I can definitely relate. I, I agree. And I think that's also one of the things that has changed with coaches because, I did not have a Jay Benner coach who was doing 10,000 in between. And I think he was a real rare exception, even at that point, and still is kind of. But I think coaches taking the time to stay physically active makes a huge difference. Um, and, you know, not only in the ability to make this a profession that is professional and uh, sustainable and something you can do with balancing multiple things, I think. Um, those type of pieces of advice. I always try to ask at the end of podcasts when I have coaches, like what they do. And a lot of coaches these days are doing something um, as far as workout and a lot more of them are swimming. I think that's becoming a little bit more common. Whereas I think there was a, a time when that was, I'm done with my swimming. I've done my time. I don't want anything to do with the actual swimming anymore, just coaching the swimming. So yeah, that's great to hear. Well, Emily, I really appreciate this time. Um, I've learned a ton and I really feel like the coaches who listen to this are also going to be able to learn a ton. Um, you're inspiring with your ability to take on all the things that you do and um, all the things that you give back to the sport. So um, thank you. And I'm really excited to continue to watch what you're doing within the sport and at uh, Lake Oswego here going forward. So I appreciate you very much. Thanks, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Excited to see you on deck again. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.